This is the Pirate Radio Podcast. And welcome into the Pirate Radio Podcast. I am Shirley Rhodes. On February 1st, Clip Brock welcomed in former ECU defensive coordinator Greg Hudson to the show. And it was a little story time with Coach Hud and his former grad assistant when he was on the ECU staff, Brett Hickman. Coach Hood says hot stove time. Getting ready for some baseball. How many days? How many? Till opening day. For ECU, I think we're down to oh, the 16. <laughs> the it's, Reds. Oh. I think it's 15. Watch out. Oh, we're down to 15 now? Yeah. It's only 15 days to opening day in college. Yeah. Tomorrow will be two weeks yeah, away. Yeah, that's probably right because when I played baseball, we played in February, but the first 30 games at Notre Dame were on the road. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, we play ECU was warm. Yeah. ECU plays a lot of like St. John's and yeah, Northern teams yes. early in the year here while they're trying to thaw out. We went, we went to Seattle. No, we went to Seattle and played in a tournament. Duke was in it, played Duke, Washington, and somebody else. A four team tournament up in the old uh, Silver Dome in Seattle. Oh, and wow. Then we got on a plane in Seattle and flew to Hawaii and played in a four days stay there that was our spring break but then our weekends were uh texas lsu wichita state and miami by the time you got to south bend it was like 45 degrees again instead of barely (laughs) uh there you go greg hudson joining us uh so last week we randomly came across a coach hud picture where he's screaming i believe it was a delightful scream it was a happy it looked like he was fired up yeah it was a something yeah and the first word will bleep yeah a bleep yeah was a fuffa. also in that photo coach hud recognized the young brett hickman uh and i said hey i know brett and uh you said some good words about coach hickman and uh, yeah. i sent him a text he said hey let me uh let me jump on with you fellas and, and talk a little <laughs> hud and ecu so brett hickman once again joining us here on pirate radio live coach hickman how you doing man Clip, good to hear from you, Huddy. What's up, man? Hey, Coach Hickman, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. You, that's a that's the younger Brett Hickman. It's also a lighter Brett Hickman in that picture. If it's the one I'm thinking of, that's right. We got to get you on the health plan. <laughs> hey, uh, Brett, let us know uh, what you're up to today. Where are you uh, coaching and, and living these days? Yeah, so right now I'm the defensive coordinator at Anderson University down in Anderson, South Carolina, kind of in Clemson Tiger Country, about uh, 20 miles from there. Um, you know, went back, had been in college football for, for 10 years after I left East Carolina and then went back home to West Brunswick High School where I was the head coach for four and kind of dove back in, wanted to uh, kind of help Bobby Lamb, who's a Hall of Fame head coach down here at uh, Anderson. He used to be the head coach at Furman and Mercer's in the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. I've known him for a long time. So he offered me a chance to come start the program with him down here. So we're playing football in 2024 for the first time ever. And uh, I've been really neat to be on the ground floor. A lot of recruiting and uh, really neat to kind of get to build a defense from scratch and not have to worry about existing terminology or anything like that so it's been a uh, great place for for me and a great place for my family so far that's awesome man i did see that on facebook i did see you were down there and uh congratulations he, he will do great down there because he'll be great with the players he'll really be great with the kids and they'll gravitate to him um he's got an infectious personality he's positive uh, he's always optimistic, uh, but he's really smart. Brett's, Brett's smart. He understands football, and he studies football. 
uh, and he cares. You know, he cares about his players, and uh, I'm I'm anxious to watch him out there because then I can, you know, I can go. Well, that was a nice call, Brad. <laughs> it's interesting, Hud. If, if Nick Johnson or somebody who played on those teams came out to our practice, uh, you know, after we flex or do whatever at the beginning of practice, the drill starts every day with get right drill. Absolutely, that can cure the common cold. Started <laughs> every day at practice at East Carolina, and I kind of learned from Hud so many things. You know, from a football standpoint, obviously, but. In terms of building a culture defensively, and even when I was a head coach at West Bromley High School, we did it with the whole team. But the number one fundamental of defense is the effort and the intensity of which you play with. So we start that every day. And then, um, in my opinion, and I think HUD would probably uh, agree with this, I think the greatest teacher of zone coverage who's ever existed was Rick Smith. Absolutely. We're still, we're still playing zone auto. And, uh, you'd look on a you'd look on a, a call sheet and be like, we might call it this, but that's bench flame thirty three. So there's a lot to see <laughs> from two thousand and seven, two thousand yes. and eight, two thousand and nine that that were, that is still kind of hung on today. Is as much as people think the game has changed, it, it really hasn't. No, and you're you're running the basic package that uh, got amazing. I, I just laughed at the stories when they talked about the Vikings defense this year in, in the NFL. <clears throat> and how the guy that's the coordinator of the Vikings had been uh, working at, at Pittsburgh, and he was around Narduzzi with uh, with what they were running, with all their quarter press stuff, and uh, and how it had confused everybody in the NFL, and that's why they were doing so well till the last four games when they <laughs> exposed a little bit. But it was the zone concept and the matching concept and the press and really playing nine-man football. So Brett's going to do a good job down there. He, he's, he's, Brett's going to keep moving up in this industry um, if he wants to, because I also know the uh, uh, Brett's uh, Brett's a great husband and a, and, a, and a great father, and I hope he's still taking great pride in that, as I emphasized to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you did. I will say this about Hud: if there's one thing I can say, um, you know, my dad was a great influence on my life. He's kind of a legendary high school coach there in Eastern North Carolina, and, and he really showed me how to combine football and family but when I went to East Carolina and I got involved in the football program uh, I just thought I would be a high school coach because I just didn't know if you could balance what I wanted to be as a person and uh, you know the way Coach Hood talked about his children and when they came around and at that age I guess Garrett might have been in middle school he was your oldest and yeah. Jack was probably about second or third grade maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know just the, the kind of uh, love and affection you had for your children and the balance that, that you had uh, showed me something that when, and I became a better coach and you told me this would happen when I had my first child because you see them as, you see every person as, as somebody else's child and, uh, that might have been the greatest lesson that I learned from Coach Hood out of anything. Well, thanks, Brad. Yeah, that's that's a great message there. Let me ask. Uh, let me ask you, Coach. So <laughs> we had the whole Naylor Show episode four drop today. They talked to Ruff and McNeil, and they asked Coach Ruff the importance of walk-ons to a program. So kind of in that same vein, Coach Hud, how important are the grad assistants, those guys that aren't maybe getting the big bucks or the yeah. you know, the names in the programs all the time, but how important are the the Brett Higmans of the world to that ECU football team under Skip Holtz, you and, and Coach Fish that were so good? You can't win without them. And and if they're good and or exceptional like Brett, uh it it's it adds a coach 
on the field. And, you know, I, I didn't hesitate. I wanted the guys that worked with us to learn. And with Brett and, and Tim Carter, they were coaching. I mean, it went it got to the point where I was like, Brett, you're on the individual period. <laughs> and uh, and meeting with the guys and talking to the guys. And, you know, it's it was my responsibility and the coaches on the staff then, as we had done to us, is to teach them how to be better coaches and learn. And But you, you just can't just tell them all the time. You got to let them go out and coach and make mistakes. And and Brett was uh, Brett was never hesitant to ask questions, and he worked great with the players. And once the players see that I had respect for right. Brett, and that I wanted him deeply involved, and he was a great asset to us, then he's then he's one of the guys, you know. And they they instantly get uh, the respect that he that he deserves, but and that he earned, and, and then it's carried out, and and the production just gets that much better on the field and if, for me I mean Brett I don't know how many times really actually you probably really graded the film and we compared notes and and our grades were you know the same Brett knew what he was doing he learned fast he was around football his whole life he knew the culture uh, and he cared you know and and uh, it was fun it was fun to have him around I think there's some there's an element of this that I've seen it as I'm going around is that a lot of people don't treat their GAs and student assistants the way I was treated. Those guys are jackholes. They are, and uh, you know, uh, Coach Hud will tell you, or I will tell you right now that that you know I try to treat our GAs and our student assistants the same way I was treated, which is it's an apprenticeship, it's an internship, and you're there to learn. And, and just the respect that he had for me. And certainly it was a three-year kind of growth process where it went from, okay, you're going to help Tim Carter with data entry or PowerPoint, you know, what you already have skill set at being a young person. But then as you learn the defense, you're going to give him more. And then by 2008, we, we changed some things up defensively where Zach Sleep became a little bit more of a rushing. And then Chris Maddox was on the field a, a, a nickel Sam or whatever. So, you know, Fudd would – say, okay, I got to go work with Chris today with the Bucks, Brett, you know, the individual drills, just put them through it. And, and, and he said something to me when I went to North Greenville for my first full-time job, he said, you know, more than you think, you know, and man, you talk about just empowering somebody to have confidence that when you actually go and run the room, I was ready. And I don't know if there's a lot of coaches that are like that. And some of it was certainly, I'd grown up around the sport, but, uh, the coach Hud was the first one who, who, basically said you're good enough to be a college football coach and you were ready after three years so so appreciative hmm. of anything that that he taught me uh, it, whether or not he did it intentionally or you know i was a, a eager beaver or whatever it was but it's such a great experience <laughs> and it was it, it obviously wasn't just hud it was rick smith and it was vernon hargraves and rock Rogerman. nobody loved football like rock Rogerman. nope in the history of football nobody's loves football like him and the other three were married rock was you know he was single no kids so you know you almost had like more of a social relationship with him so the amount of time that you spent with rock kind of off the field which was mostly him drinking and me driving and <laughs> and eating <laughs> whatever the case was but you just you, you kind of learn from all those guys i mean like when i became the head coach at at, at uh at West Brunswick, Rick Smith came down to the beach and spent three weeks or, or three days with my team and helped me install the defense in the spring. I mean, what a resource. Oh, yeah. 
those those guys, I tell everybody I got a history degree from East Carolina, but I majored in football. And uh, those five guys that I got to go to work with every day were, were the best professors you can have. And I think it behooved me that if you went to East Carolina now or you went to State or you went to North Carolina or Tennessee, there's 9,000 people in a staff room. You know, uh, yeah. And there was, there, there was six of us. <laughs> you, had, you had to be, you had to grow up at 19 years old as opposed to really all that guy does in the office now is make copies and do coffee. You know, I had to learn how to coach football. Yes, uh, man, fast. What a what a what a time and place to do it. I mean, what a well. You fun. call me. Uh, you call me anytime, and I'll get down there. That'd be a blast. Brad, you bring that up, and I'll ask you, Coach Hud, as a coordinator now. And we uh-huh. were talking about this with South Carolina's women's team. Uh, like the, we went to that game at ECU, and they Don Staley's staff is uh, <laughs> got more more coaches than yeah, players, two rows deep. At a certain point, can it be too much, or do you wish you had it that way when you were the D coordinator, say here at East Carolina, that you had more bodies and. People. I would only have enough people to process enough information that I can remember to call it correctly on game day now is it overkill at some point no there's just there's just so much uh, access to data yeah you know we were trying to do it you know being a baseball guy at heart brett can attest to it you know we had we were trying to do analytics as much as we could before we had the software right to do it to where we were looking at different tendencies, and uh, I'd got a I had got a sheet. I don't know if you still have it, Brett. I got it somewhere. Um, it had like twenty five um, items on there to go through, and it was just different situations that I never really thought of. And I got it from Rick Minner, whose son Jesse Minner's the D coordinator uh, at Michigan, and he uses it to this day. But then it sprouted off to where they probably have a hundred variables or more that they're going through. But it still comes down to what Brett said. The very first thing is, you know, what's the effort going to be, and and are they going to run to the ball, and they're going to tackle, and they're going to get the ball back, and then you can, you can throw, you know, algorithms and analytics out the window. What's it like at uh, Anderson, Brett? How many guys are on your defensive staff? Uh, honestly, we have more coaching at Anderson than we did at East Carolina. <laughs> wow! I, I have to have the same discussion with the, the young guys that are coming to help out, you know, and I, I, this is another Greg Hudson saying, you know, there's a lot of people that want to be coaches, but they don't really want to coach, you know, so I have to weed those guys out real quick. They just want to wear the Oakleys and the wristbands. Get some bands. cool gear. I will say. Get gear. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, some guys love coaching. Some guys just love being the coach. He's right. So you have to weed. You have to weed that out, first of all. But we actually have we have two student assistants, two GAs, and four full time guys. So I have more help than even then, wow. um, than than even Coach Hutt had. And um, you know we're we're relatively for the Division two level, we're relatively resource rich, uh, which is unique to me. I've never really worked at a place, including East Carolina, that was comparative. Brett, do you have? Did you go to the convention? Uh, coach, I, when I had children, the convention kind of became a, not a thing. I yeah, I saw a, a, a number that I think I read there were 8,000 coaches at the convention. Yep. What was that number, say, in 2007? I remember, well, I can remember the first convention I went to, and I was. they were like, oh, there's going to be about 3,000 coaches here, which shows you has <laughs> – there's a lot of lawyers, right? 
airline coaches <laughs> sort of equates to the same thing. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of baggage. You know, mm-hmm. there's a I've literally gone into the film ring you know, Brett, he'll go through this. I mean, guys come in for interviews or you get a guy on your staff that you didn't select and they can't draw a circle on the board, you know, or draw a formation up. But they can get on the phone and talk all night on you know with recruits and right. at some point the ball gets put on the tee <laughs> and they kick it and then you got to tackle them right brett right brett that's exactly right you know one of the things the other thing you know hud had this because when i was a student coach you know you're peers with those guys you know you see them downtown you got class with them you know you got to learn how to keep your mouth shut what you hear in the staff room has to stay in the staff room and that yeah. you, you let too many people in <clears throat> Stuff that doesn't need to be said to a player gets said to a player, mm. uh, you know, which is why really of all the friends I had on the team at that point, I was certainly friendly with the guys on defense, but like the only guys I would have considered close friends were, you know, Jason Halter, Joe Sloan, guys that played offense, you know, or, or, or specialists, Ben Hartman, those guys I was probably more social friends with, but like I didn't need to go to a linebacker and even have. A, a conversation that was, I mean, that just nothing that was said in, on the second floor award needed to be said on the first floor. It was Coach Hudson's job to talk to those guys if we had an issue, you know, but, you know, player. Was, like, we handled them pretty easy. We didn't have a lot of them. I mean, but it, that was not, you know, you got too many people who don't know how to keep their mouth shut. Oh, no. They and I can, tweet. I, I can attest that those nights I talked about hanging out with Zach Slade, I never yeah. saw Brett Hickman. So I will say that, Coach. Okay. He just went to a different place. Oh, okay. Is that what it was? <laughs> Brett, I know you got to run. I told him it was mandatory he had to go out. <laughs> Can we get uh, one angry HUD story? You got. I love the respect okay. you have between the two, but can we get a, an angry Coach HUD uh, story? I'm going to keep it within FCC regulations. I've got, I've got two of them I really want to show. All right. Two? The first one is in 2008, of course, we got off to the great start. We beat Virginia Tech in a – we beat West Virginia. Now, HUD and Skip and all these guys, you know, they had played for big loopholes, you know. So there's kind of that, that old adage, when things are going great, you got to really bust them. And then when things are going bad, you got to give them a little bit of sugar, right? So yeah. It can't get better in East Carolina than those two wins. And we're playing the two-lane league, and, you know, it's miserable for every player, you know, because you, you know what you're doing. You're just trying to keep them humble or whatever. And, uh so we had a tradition, and I think this comes from Lou, um, Coach Hud. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but pregame speeches are kind of overrated. Hud, and I still do this to this day, Thursday after practice was really the, the get them emotionally ready to play meeting. Okay, so we would come off the field as a defense, go right to the unit meeting, and if we had won the week before, uh, Kelly, his wife, would send a cake, or Barbara would make uh brownies or whatever it was for like a you know you'd celebrate last week's win hud would get them a little bit ready to play and then you'd watch the highlight video from the uh previous week well i mean we did i think we had practiced fine i think you know it's just one of those things where you wanted to keep them humble we were going to Tulane, maybe uh, which is a hard place to play for at that point for different reasons because there was nobody in the crowd you know you got to create your own energy on the road and so on and so on well, you know, we're going in there. We're gonna we're gonna have the cake and whatever. And I'm sitting on the third. Hud, you know where I'm going with this? Uh, I think I do. 
So this, I'm sitting on the third row, and I'm sitting right behind a defensive tackle who, you know, had a world of talent, but maybe not the most mature kid that's ever played football at East Carolina. And uh, I'm sitting right behind the young man, and uh, we start to play the uh, the highlight video. And the Hudge just had a great meet, and we're trying to get him ready to play. And um, the young man says something silly, like, roll the beautiful bean footage or something like this. And, uh, you know, that's the worst thing you could have said in that meeting at that time. And that cake goes about two feet over the young man's head. <laughs> and it goes, it goes uh, maybe six inches above my head. <laughs> it goes across the defensive room. And uh, I literally... You know, Hood looks like his veins are about to pop out of his head and everything. He looks so angry, and all the kids, you know, blankety blank, you guys get out of here. You ain't ready to play. You're going to get your freaking rear ends. <laughs> they all leave, and Hood just turns around when they all leave, and he gives me the biggest grin. <laughs> the biggest grin I've ever seen in my life. And then he points at Rock. And Rock gives him like a thumbs up. I'm like, well, guys, if we're going to be in on something, <laughs> right? Like I know that nearly got tied in the face with the with the with that deal. So that's one of my favorites. The other one also in Poor Rogan. So when you get into the the ebb and flow of the season, you know, Hud can tell you, 1995 on a Wednesday afternoon in October, he was probably watching Tuesday practice tape, and then he was watching a third down cut. You know, you do the same thing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in a, in a work week, and then your weekends deviate whether or not it's home or away. Well, I think we go in there, we're watching Wednesday practice, and we're probably playing. I think we're about ready to play Marshall. And we, we kind of hit a roll in 2008. We had gotten really banged up. Like Clinton Cotton had gotten hurt at Tulane, whatever. I think we had lost three out of four. Something's going on. And it's Tuesday. He kind of taps me on the he taps me on the knee. He's like, watch, I'll get Rogie today. I'm going to get Rogie. <laughs> and, I'm a, and I got a terrible poker face, so I don't need to be hearing this. And I think it's like a routine. Like, we're play, we're in a team period, and they throw a little bubble screen. And on our worst day, our D-line was unbelievable. Okay, you know, you, you start your scheme back to front, but you build your culture front to back. And, boy, we had some. We were freaky. <laughs> Linville Joseph kind of pulled up on somebody in a tag tempo drill, and Hud's like, you know what, we're not running some, we're not hungry on the D line, you know, we're not, we're not doing very well. A couple plays later, they might run toss sweep or outside zone or something, and CJ Wilson gets reached. Gosh, Rogie, I mean, I just, we're not reading our keys, man. I mean, we're not, we're not doing what we're coaching and rock. Rock Rogan's greatest strength was how personal he took how his team performed or how his unit performed. And yeah, I was, I was, it, I was just pouring it on real slow. <laughs> and I'm just smiling because I can see Rock's ears are getting red, and he's hitting the table. I'm gonna get it fixed. I'm gonna get it fixed. Like, like, like you won't have to worry about that today. And I think we break for lunch or something. And Hood looks at me and said, that D-line's about to have the worst in effing practice in the history of football. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and Rick Smith is kicking me under the table, and Vernon's got his head down, just shaking it because they know what's going to happen. And I can't, I can't stop from smiling because I know what he's doing, but Rock has no clue. I mean, it's just, and I think, and then I, after the game, they had the Bradshaw kids who ended up playing in the NFL. Ahmad Bradshaw, yeah. Yeah, terrific back, and I think we held him to like 40 yards. 28. 19. <laughs> Not that I remember. <laughs> Yeah. 28 carries on 19 yards. Yeah. Rock came in the office the next day, and he is literally, he can't keep his eyes open. He can't. He's exhausted. He ran. I bet he ran the distance from here to Wilson. <laughs> but he, he, he said, he goes, he goes, man, I, well, first, he, what would he do, Brett? Uh, they would throw a screen in practice, and he would take off from the sideline. Oh, my God. And he would chase them the to the other side of the field. The players and blowing his whistle, yelling, get to the ball. <laughs> and I'm sitting there laughing. Rick Smith says, you're going to give him a heart attack. <laughs> wow. Play unbelievable that time. Oh, they played like amazing the rest of the year. The Sunday night after they're watching the game and the linebacker room is right next to the D-line room and Ross <laughs> just giving it. I shouldn't have to do that every week. I shouldn't have to get you to play. <laughs> I, I did feel guilty at that point when it carried over to Sunday. <laughs> and it started Wednesday. But that was a good one, man. That's that was awesome. a good one. It encompassed Greg Hudson's fire, but also kind of his ability to push people's buttons to where, you know, and that was the most important thing that I learned as a guy who spent 14 of 17 years in a coordinator or a head coach role is that the X's and O's really aren't that important. you got to learn how to push people's buttons, whether or not it's players, whether or not it's assistant coaches. And, uh, you know, I would do anything in the world for HUD right now because of those things, that, that those lessons I learned in those three years. You cannot put any type of price tag in having a guy in those very foundational, formative years in coaching uh, – you, you can't put a price on that in a, in a future. And it's something was incredibly lucky. Hud, I love you, man. Love you too, man. And I'd help you any way I can. Always. I know you will. Awesome. And, uh, Brett, I will let you run. I think this is a great sign of a, a coaching staff, too, uh, Brett. You are coaching. Uh, you mentioned Joe Sloan, offensive coordinator at LSU. C.J. Wilson, head coach, right down the road in yeah. North Pitt. A lot of co- and, and that's just to name a few off the top of my head. A lot of coaches uh, from this, this team and, and these assistants, Coach yes. That's pretty cool. Brett, thank you, man. Good luck, Brett. Thank you, Clip. Hug those yeah. kids. Take your comments off the air, Clip. What do we think of our new? Clip? Oh yeah, I meant to bring that up. While well, we got Hud and oh. especially Coach Hick here, while well, Washington fan, Dan Quinn, Coach Hud. How's the? How, what do you think? Can he win in Washington? Well, they should beat Dallas. <laughs> okay. Well, oh. hey, that, that's a start. We'll take that's the first that. First thing I thought, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Brett. We can talk about it uh, on social media. But my first thought was that it wasn't a wow hire. But I, I like Dan Quinn just fine. Just I wanted Ben Johnson. Basically, I, I got my say, hopes up. Tell me a wow hire. I don't even know. They say names. I'm like, I don't know who that is. True. Ask me in three. Ask us all in three years. Honey. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you again. You might need. All right, Brett. Take see you, care, buddy. Brett. All right. Thank you, man. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, he's good. We're gonna have to set up more story time with Hood. I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get some players from this uh, 2018. Ooh. Man, you had. Uh, I bet Linville Joseph still hates you for that day. He had to do all that extra work. He, it was, hey, you know what it was? Awesome. It wasn't any extra work. It was just the level that they were doing it. 
But well, you know what? His stamina is great because he's still playing <laughs> he's today. He's still playing. Yeah. We got him in shape for life. That's awesome. But uh, Rogie, Rogie, really, he, I mean, we've got, I really need to go back and find that tape. I hope it's still downloaded and find that practice and see the, because there was like 50 plays of him running a full sprint <laughs> and he's blowing the whistle. The offense is going, what's going on? And he's just blowing it to blow it and screaming. He took it personal, did the he? Ball. Oh, yeah. And I was just, just dripping it to him, man. That's I was, awesome. I was like, boy, I just think our guys are giving up a little bit. And he was like, oh, I'll kill him. <laughs> and as a fat guy, I got to ask, what kind of cake did you destroy, Coach? Oh, it was a big, Dang. huge sheet cake. We had cookies and uh, the Crabtree brothers would bring the big buckets of ice cream. So basically, you Thursday. were waiting for the first thing you could freak out on to do that, I guess. That was premeditated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.